Welcome to the Feel Good Running Podcast. No matter what level runner you are, and whether you prefer road or trail running or both, you will find this podcast informative, motivating, inspiring, and entertaining. We have interesting guests, running-related information, inspirational stories about real runners, and much more. Now here's your host and a longtime runner himself, Jim Lynch. Well, hello, runners. Welcome to episode number 44. My name is Jim Lynch. This is my podcast, Feel Good Running. I'd like to welcome you to it. And if you're brand new at running, you just started running in January. It was one of your New Year's resolutions to start running. Well, I hope you're sticking with it and enjoying it. And if you found your way to my podcast, welcome to it. I think you'll really enjoy it. And to all my regular listeners, I can't thank you enough for listening and supporting the show. It means a lot to me. Well, I've not released any interview episodes in January. And why is that? Well, I started a new segment in my episodes called Motivation Run Day Monday. They are quick five to nine minute episodes that feature a different runner just like you every Monday. And the featured runner tells their story in their own words. And what it's based on is questions that I provide, which you can find at feelgoodrunning.com forward slash MRM. And included in the instructions is a button. Press that. It'll take you to a site and you have up to five minutes to record your message based on the questions that are listed. And if you need more time, you can just go right back in, push the button again and record more. I will then do my editing magic and make you sound like a rock star. It is amazing the people that have already provided their motivational stories. And these episodes are really becoming popular. So check those out. It's just part of Feel Good Running. And it will get your running week off on the right foot with a little bit of motivation and inspiration from other runners. I would love to have you participate and tell your story and be featured on an episode of Motivation Run Day Monday. So once again, that's at feelgoodrunning.com forward slash MRM. Well, Boston just announced that they are moving the Boston Marathon this year to Monday, October 11th. Now, let me tell you something. This is a packed fall. Listen to this. September 26th, Berlin Marathon. October 3rd, London Marathon. October 10th is the Chicago Marathon. And the very next day, October 11th, is the Boston Marathon. October 17th is the Tokyo Marathon. And on that same date, October 17th, is the Colfax Marathon right here in Denver, Colorado. Then you have November 7th, which is the New York City Marathon. And then LA just announced that they're moving the LA Marathon into the fall months. So, That is just an example of a few major marathons that are going to be packed into the fall. And that doesn't include other ones that are scheduled. So let's cross our fingers that the pandemic is far enough behind us so these events in some form can take place live because it's necessary for the running world to get back into some sort of normalcy. It really is. I mean, the virtual races are okay They keep these events alive through this pandemic, and they provide a platform for runners to train and have a goal to shoot for and get some swag. There's been some really creative swag 
coming out of these virtual races. So they've been good for now. But, you know, we need live races again, right? So let's see how that all works out. Plus, my girlfriend got me an Apple Watch for Christmas, and I'm learning how to use it, and I love it. What I really like about the Apple Watch is that we track each other and whatever exercises we are doing each day, whether it's a boot camp that she does or me going to the gym and running or her running, it really is a nice way to keep track and motivate each other. So I love the Apple Watch. And for the last few months, I was dealing with a hamstring issue, and that's cleared up, and I'm enjoying running again. And this watch helps and um, being accountable to my girlfriend on my running, that helps out. So. How awesome is that? And of course, I hope each and every one of you are enjoying your running or whatever you're doing to stay physically fit during this pandemic. So keep out there, keep motivated, keep doing what you're doing because your health is important. It really is. Oh my, I am so excited about this episode. And this episode has a lot to do with me. Um, I've wanted to do this episode ever since I started the Feel Good Running podcast. Well, on October 21st, 2006, my best friend, David Zonker, and myself crossed the finish line of the Breakers Marathon in Middletown, Rhode Island, just outside of Newport, Rhode Island. And when we crossed the finish line, that ended a journey that we were on for eight and a half years. We became certified finishers of running a marathon in all 50 states plus D.C. That was such an amazing day when we completed the 50 states. And the memories and experiences and the towns that we would have never been in in our life for any other reason than running in the marathon um, are etched into both of our hearts and minds. For life. This goal became a reality on the Verrazano Narrows Bridge at the 1998 New York City Marathon. David said, Let's do all 50 states. And I said, Okay. And we talk about that in the conversation that you'll hear in a few minutes. It was a long journey. I think one year we did 10 marathons, maybe more. I don't know. Can't remember. But we did a lot of marathons year after year. And we had one year that we both had injuries, and so we only ran maybe two in that year. And we didn't plan this very well because there was a whole year gap from our 49th marathon to the 50th marathon. We ran most of them together. There were some that David ran, some states that David ran on his own and and states that I ran on my own. But I would say at least 85% of these races we we did together and and had so many memories. I became close to his family, his sisters, his sister Nita ran 16 marathons with us. And his other sisters, I had a chance to build a relationship with and and his parents, his mother and father, his father has passed away since and his children and they're all very near and dear to me. And I know that David always has my back and I always have his. So you're going to hear a lot in our conversation of us just talking about our experiences. So today, as of recording this, there's 1,000 
619 50-state finishers in the 50-state marathon club. I was 277th, and David was 278th. Now, to become certified, you have to provide proof that you ran a certified sanctioned marathon in that state, and then you become certified. So we are officially certified. Now, if you go back and look on the 50-state marathon club website, I counted them, and I was 115th certified, and David was 116th certified. Now, this is out of 1,619 finishers, all right? And keep in mind that a lot of, a lot of these runners ran the 50 states, but they weren't sanctioned races, so they weren't certified, or they didn't turn in their documentation to become certified. We both are very proud. So David ran two additional marathons after the 50 states. He, he has a total of, I believe, 57. And I have a total of 101. I kept running. And I wanted to reach that 100 marathon mark. And I, I added one more. So I have 101. So I've never publicly posted all of my races. And you can find the spreadsheet of all the marathons that I completed, the date that I did them, the name of the marathon, the city and the state, and my finish time. You can also find other links such as a link to the 50-State Marathon Club in this episode's show notes at feelgoodrunning.com. They're posted there. So now I am very pleased and honored for you to listen to my conversation with my best friend and running partner as we reminisce about our journey to become certified 50-State Marathon finishers, my friend David Zonker. go down and reminisce about our running life way back. I was uh, talking to Nita the other day and your one daughter, Heather, is I think as old as I was when I met you or older. Yeah, probably older. Yeah. <laughs> I, re- I remember celebrating your 40th birthday. Yeah, so, and she's just past 40. Man, can you believe it? I don't even know where the time went with all this. Oh, it's crazy. And uh, I met you in 1997. Right, at Jones. So you'd have been just shy of uh, of a big birthday. And uh, yeah, we uh, I'd watch you running and with uh, some other runners at work. And Ron Dart. Remember Ron? Ron? Dart is a great guy and uh, quite an athlete. Um, uh, kind of a triathlete kind of guy, Iron Man. <laughs> oh, he was, so, he was great. He was in great shape, that guy. He probably still is because uh, uh, it was important to him. Yeah, and I think uh, Lori uh, was at Jones ran with us too. Yeah, and uh, we would be getting done, and it was all barren out there at the time. There was the Jones Building, but you know that whole field was open, and all you saw was prairie dogs. And so now rattlesnakes, it, yeah, rattlesnakes, all of that, mm-hmm. and uh, it's all built up now over there, IKEA, and yeah. you know what is it, uh, Jones District, the, the apartments yeah. that are down there. Yeah, the, the way we ran uh, in that whole area, you couldn't do that today because of the traffic. So we, we were just right on the roads and crossing the streets and all this kind of stuff. And now uh, you'd have to be very careful. 
Well, the only traffic that was coming up was people that we knew from Jones because they were going that's into right. the building. That was it. And yeah, and that's why we were always nice to him because we didn't want him to hit us. Yeah. Well, you you would uh, come up and you you'd go to lunch and then you'd see us running. And how did I, I for the life of me, I can't remember how you started running with us. Yeah, it's um, I, I think I just asked one of the runners if uh, you know what the deal was. And you guys seem to run every day at noon. I mean, can anybody join you? Whatever. And so uh, they said, yeah, just show up at 1130, walk out the back door and we take off. And so I did that. And the first time I, I ran with you folks, uh, I got to about mile two and that was it. I mean, I had to, I had to walk home. I mean, it was like, what are these crazy people doing? I mean, how far are they going to run? I mean, so, uh, so obviously for every runner, it starts off, you try to do a quarter of a mile. And, and when you do a quarter of a mile, you try to do a mile. And when you do a mile, you try to do five miles. And then pretty soon some craziness takes over. And, uh, I had a guy that, uh, had done nine marathons and he wanted to do a 10th one. And so he invited me to do uh, the 10th marathon that he was running. Yeah. I wonder who that first. was. Yeah. It was some, some <laughs> nut that does a podcast now and is yeah. really famous. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it was, it was fun in those early days when we were, we were running from Jones and uh, I, I just remember, you know, we, you and I started solidifying a friendship at that point. And you're right. I was talking you into running the LA marathon because I said you needed to run a marathon. You, you just got to experience yeah. it. And yeah. And, and of course, most people, including myself, uh, we had no idea what a marathon meant. I mean, if you could run five miles at lunch, well, sure. Okay, fine. We'll do that. I mean, why not? Uh, just add it to the bucket list. And, uh, and then all of a sudden you find out what this uh, experience uh, entails, the training, the camaraderie and the uh, satisfaction and the fulfillment of it. And uh, all of a sudden, a whole new world opened up. It did. And our first marathon was on March 29th, 1998. That was your first marathon, my 10th yeah. in yeah. LA. And that was that was 22 years ago. Yep. And, and the, the starting line, that uh, gentleman that uh, shot off the uh, start gun was Muhammad Ali. Mm -hmm. He was there every single year. Probably up until he passed away. I'll be. That was his thing to always be there. And then when you went across the start line, everybody would go, Ollie, Ollie, Ollie. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> and if I remember story. correctly, you're, when you were training, and we, you and I would train, but you did some training runs, 20-mile runs on a treadmill. I did. I, I, uh, I, I think I did one. And uh, when you get off a treadmill after doing three hours and 20 miles, you can't walk. Right, your leg, your leg, your leg. You can't get your legs under you, and so uh, I decided right then and there. And that was early on, so that was my first twenty. I was scared to do it on the road. I thought I would end up fifteen miles away and not be able to finish and have to walk all the way back. So that was the the uh, crazy uh, thought process back then. But plus, it was winter inside. I was never going back inside unless it was uh, so inclement or so cold that you had to run on a treadmill. Right. And it was winter too. So, you know, you don't want to be out there stuck at 15 miles and, you know, have ice. all that cold yeah. weather and ice and all that. Yeah. Yeah. That was a fun race because your, uh, your family came out for that. Yeah. Anita came out from, uh, she is flight attendant uh, for Lufthansa. So she came all the way from Germany and, uh, my dad, he was 74 at the time. 
and uh, he came out to watch and taking pictures and all that kind of stuff. It, it's just a great time. Yeah, I, I still have pictures. Well, I have so many pictures of us and all of our, our marathons, but I looked at that race and um, I, I really had to go into myself and figure out what I was doing as far as fashion wise, because my outfit was just terrible. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, you know, the, the thing I remember is that there was a one legged uh, man who had a roller skate on that on that uh, leg and he would push himself with two things that I, I guess were, you know, poles or crutches or what. Uh, and he pushed himself blowing a whistle the entire 26.2 miles. I mean, just and uh, the, the human endurance that we witnessed in all of these marathons was just amazing to me and the willpower and their spirit to, to get themselves to the finish line. And, and I don't think I, you know, did a whole lot to get to the finish line, except move my feet, you know, one after the other, keep moving them forward. Because that was the advice I got was that, uh, hey, uh, when you're at the starting line, uh, don't worry about which foot you start off with. Just keep rotating them until you get to the finish line. So that was pretty easy to do uh, compared to some of the struggles and the willpower that you saw other people with, whether it be one leg, whether it be blind, uh, whether it be uh, uh, disabled and handicapped in other ways. It was just amazing. Well, you were, you're a natural runner. You were natural then. You were you were fast, and I, I could never keep up with you. You would you would you would start off slow, and you would always pass me in these races, and do things that would mentally crush me, like bark behind <laughs> me as you were <laughs> coming by, and say, "Hey, well, how you doing?" And then you just yeah. would just cruise, and then that would be the last I saw of you through the whole time. <laughs> well, well, that was uh, certainly true for the first couple of years until. Uh, paybacks are really hell. And uh, all of a sudden I heard some barking from behind and uh, for the next 20 or 30 marathons, yeah, you were the one that was uh, <laughs> finishing ahead of me all the time. So uh, hats off to you. You did a great job. You trained up. I remember telling you that, uh, Hey Jim, uh, look, there's a lot of marathons in Massachusetts that you can run. Uh, you really don't need to you know, be so hard on yourself that you're not qualifying for Boston. <laughs> And then oh. all of a sudden, every race after that, your willpower uh, and your talent and your dedication to running, uh, you qualified for Boston virtually every time for at least 10 marathons in a row. And uh, that pretty much handed me my lunch. And I uh, I knew what was inside of you from then on. Well, I, I do want to talk about that. I did not qualify 10 times in a row, but I'll I'll talk about that <laughs> later. But you know, it was really interesting because the beginning, we kind of were in different different spots. You were single going through some stuff at the time when you started running and I was single and, and through the process, you know, you, you found a woman, I found a woman, we both got married. Um, I'm no longer married. You're still married 16 years into it now. And, uh, I mean, the, the evolution from the very beginning to where we are today is interesting. And, you know, I think running helped you a lot at the very beginning. I thought that was your newfound love for a while to, to get rid of, to think, to get out there and think and to work through stuff at the time. I loved it. I loved it. It was the best thing that happened to me for a long, long time. And it allowed me to, uh, experience uh you know that adrenaline rush and the uh 
the nature uh, outdoors. Uh, we ran in a lot of different places, and whether it be hills or views or cities or small towns, or inside some of those marathons, we saw more cows than we saw people. And uh, but all the while, you know, it, it was really good therapy. And uh, I was new to it. You had run since uh, you were, uh, you know, at the very least twenty years old, maybe sooner. And I began running at forty-two, and uh, it was uh, quite a ramp up time period that I had to do to get to where I could even hang with you uh, on a lunch run, let alone a marathon. So uh, it was just really a, a great, great addition to my life at the time and helped me through a lot of things. Yeah. Well, we did another marathon after the city of Los Angeles um, marathon that year in 98. We, we ended up doing Steamboat Springs. And you kept, you know, you got the bug in Los Angeles and Steamboat you liked. And then we decided to do New York. Yeah, I remember you picked me up at uh, at the L.A. apartment that I was staying in. And uh, as we were going to the start line, had never experienced a marathon yet. And you said, hey, uh, you had two coffees in the car there. And you said, hey, we have to do New York. <laughs> so, of course, I mean, because I had no idea what marathoning was about. I said, ah, sure, no problem. When is that? Well, it's in November. Okay, yeah, we'll sign up for that. That'd be a, a good idea. And, and then uh, it went from there. Well, you know, it was very cheap back then too. And I don't think the internet was around. So we had to send in those postcards or an envelope with a card and a check and hope that we got in. And I think we had to submit our application somewhere around May. Didn't find out until August if we got (laughs) in and it's all, it was all lottery by then. So, you know, we kept training through the summer. But the New York City Marathon on November 1st, 98 is one that I remember because you and I were going to the Verrazano Narrows Bridge and to the start line. And you said something to me and and, uh, I uh, don't know why I agreed to it, but I did. And you said, let's do all 50 states. Why don't we try that? Sure. Well, I had two under my belt at that point. And so I thought that another 48 wouldn't be that big a deal. <laughs> well, I had to do 48 too, because, well, actually, no, I had to do 47 because Steamboat was in there, but I already did LA and New York. So I already had those yeah, two under right. my belt. But yeah, you said that to me and I don't know why I agreed to it, but, um, but I did. Right. So we kept doing these things. I mean, we were hammering these things out. I'm just looking at some of the ones that we did back in the day when these things were cheap, like the Vegas marathon. That was a, that was one that I was trying to qualify in. And I did very well in the first half and I imploded on the second half. I was well on my way because you've already qualified, I think, for Boston at that point. I did. I, I qualified in Orlando. It was the month before Las Vegas. Right. January of 99, Disney World. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you qualified then. And so I wanted to qualify and I just uh, went out too fast on that one. But the other ones after that were just really rough. I mean, you know, we we cruised through them. Like I remember we went up to uh, Helena, Montana and mm-hmm. we wanted to get out of Helena, Montana as quick as we got to Helena, Montana. Uh, That's right. But you we went straight to the airport and got on standby. <laughs> we, 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 when we flew out of there, we still saw runners down on the course. That was crazy. I know. It was. Didn't you get some news article or something like that in Helena? Yeah, I did. Yeah, they uh, 
well, my picture was on the front page of the newspaper. You know, it was just just happened to catch me coming into the finish line, and I was waving at the crowd that was supporting us. And uh, they evidently that photographer liked that, and uh, just that moment. And uh, and then it, the article was just about the marathon. It wasn't about uh, about me. I wasn't even interviewed on that one. Yeah, you weren't. But uh, you, I just remember you got some press on that one. And then we went to that. Oh, man, this one was a rough one because it was so hot. The uh, University of Okaboji Marathon. Yeah, that was miserable. It was in July. Yep, in and the 80s, easily. In Iowa. And yep. you got pulled yep. over on the way out to Okaboji for speeding. <laughs> yeah, I was in a hurry to get there. <laughs> There was nothing but cornfields and police on that on that route, and we got pulled over. Did you get a ticket for that, or did they like? Yeah, you I got a ticket. I had to pay like uh, ninety bucks, and uh, it was ninety in of seventy, uh, coincidentally. But yeah, his brother was a marathoner. I remember, so I thought we were going to get talked out of that ticket, but no, uh, he made me pay. Yeah, that's bummer. I knew that you may have gotten a ticket on that one because there was another one I don't think we got a ticket on, and that was in Tucson. That's right. Yeah, we got pulled over, and she was working the marathon the next day. And so she said, hey, just slow down and and, uh, have a good day tomorrow. (laughs) Right. Well, you know, one of the memories that I talk about with Nita a lot, because we run on Wednesday nights, Michael and Nita, and it's the trip that we did to D.C. for the Marine Corps. That was probably, when you look at a lot of the ones that we did, that was probably one of the highlight races because your father's friend was a, was a uh, congressman mm-hmm. and he gave us carte blanche treatment when we got out there. Oh, we had a great time. He, uh, he took us uh, through the White House. He took us uh, underneath to the tunnel that went, you know, and we saw the crypt that, uh, uh, that uh, people that lay in state, uh, they bring up in the rotunda of the Senate or capital. And, uh, he also took us to lunch in the congressional dining hall. <laughs> we were right there in one of these big round tables and right next door uh, back then, uh, a guy named Hyde, I think was the uh, speaker of the house or whatever. And uh, he was in the table next door and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, we got the Royal treatment. We went to Arlington. We went to uh, president Kennedy's uh, grave site and so forth. So, uh, we had a amazing time in terms of, uh, experiencing D.C. in in ways that uh, most of us, when we go there on our own, don't experience it that way. We even got to go into the White House and have a tour. I think it was on Saturday, that Saturday morning. We didn't get to go to the West Wing that day. I, I, I don't think he was with us on that particular tour, but it was still very exciting to mm-hmm. be able to get yeah. in there and see all of that. I was telling Tracy Actually, just the other day, I was talking about that trip to her and I was mentioning the fact that we were, you know, in the congressional dining area and said, man, you, it's like you're at the Academy Awards because you look around mm-hmm. and you see all these politicians that you see on TV and you say, hey, that's so-and-so and that's so-and-so. Yep. And I just remember most people when they go into the, um, what is the room where they do the State of the Union? Oh, yeah. Well, that would be the... Uh House of Representatives. Yeah, the House of Representatives. Uh, that, mm-hmm. and, and most people have to stay up in the top and look oh, down. Yeah. We got to go right down right in down. there and sit right in the, the seats and and just uh, think of all the history that happened. Yeah, you know, it was a real nice, special thing to do. And 
and Leonard took us all over the place. He was in Congress for, I think, 16 years. So he knew a lot of people and had a lot of pull. That was quite the experience. And I don't think we'll ever forget. I know that Nita, the other memory she has of that is it was her first marathon. Yeah, And she wasn't feeling very well at the very end of that thing. She still talks about that, how and she looked terrible at the end of that. And it took yeah. her a while to get her composure back. Yeah, we had to feed her like six glasses or bottles of uh, some kind of cranberry juice or something to bring her back to I life. Know. Oh, it's, yeah, but she did. And, you know, she's still out there doing it to this day, much, much more than I am or you are. I'm I'm not as uh, much of a runner as they are anymore. Yeah, she's. I think she's done 44 states, so she's knocking on the door. Yeah. Well, in March of uh, of 2000, you set up a marathon for us. You know, you set up all the accommodations for us in Maui. Mm-hmm. And uh, who would have thought when we went out there that year, what would happen after that? <laughs> Yeah, that was a great run. And people have always asked me, uh, hey, you know, gosh, that had to just be a beautiful marathon. And, uh, you know, tell me about it. And so I'd say, well, what I remember is that the uh, gravel that they use in the asphalt is really different than what they do on the mainland. So because, <laughs> you know, people just think you're looking at whales the whole time and you're looking at whatever. The truth is you're trying to move one foot in front of the other one. It's hot. It started at 530 in the morning and uh, you're running to Lahaina. It's a Anyway, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, but it also was a life changer for me. That was where I fell in love with Maui. And you set us up at the Kihei Surfside. And I still have all the video from that. We just had a great time out there. Mm -hmm. And then when you think about it, you know, I ended up going back after I got married. That was our spot. And we would go back and then we got the Mm -hmm. timeshares out there. Mm-hmm. Then moved out to Maui in 2012. Then I got involved with the running community. Then for that particular race, I became race director. Oh, yeah. No, that's a, And you did a great job. I mean, there's people that are talking about that race and still are. And uh, they're hoping that uh, uh, your successor will be able to have that kind of well, we were race co- again. We were co-race directors, so he's still mm-hmm. on it. and. Oh, cool. It just depends. It, you know, it's uh, with the virus right now. I don't know if it'll ever, ever get back to where it was. I was actually involved with it for five years. I was kind of a liaison with Valley Isle Roadrunners for two. And then we took it over completely and built it up from there. So I don't know. You know, the whole island is still suffering tourism and all that. So we'll see what happens with that. Mm -hmm. So, that was a, that was a life changer. If you would, you would have never took me to Maui <laughs> on that marathon or suggested it. I'm not sure I would have ever ended up in Hawaii. Yeah. And you ended up living there six years or seven, right? Or how many years? Eight. Eight years. Yeah. So eight years. That's a big chunk of anyone's life. So uh, what a deal. Um, what are some of the other marathons that you remember that really have good memories for you? I mean, I, I could go through every single one of these sure. and tell you no, what I know, did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, uh, really a fun experience I had was the 2003 Boston Marathon. And, you know, Boston hands out a book um, at the expo and everybody gets it. And it's got pictures in it and articles and they feature stuff and blah, blah, blah. And uh, on the front cover were um, these four gentlemen from Japan. 
that in 1953, so that was 50 years earlier, they came over to Boston with the goal of finishing first, second, third, and fourth. And uh, a couple of them finished in the top 10. One of them won it. His name was Kaizo Yamada. And so in 2003, the 50th anniversary, he came back to run the Boston Marathon. He ran it quite a number of times. But anyway, this is a 50th anniversary event. And uh, when, you're, when you win the Boston Marathon, the year you win it is your bib number from then on if you want to run Boston, your automatic entry. And so his bib number was 1953. Now, that happened to be the year I was born. No big deal. But so uh, I just was fascinated by that. And as we ran the race, uh, mile 10, I was running on the right side of the road. And I remember coming up onto this sort of a, a slight, smaller uh, Asian man. And I said to myself, gosh, I wonder if that could be him. And sure enough, when I pulled up beside him, I looked at his bib and it was 1953. And I said, wow. So I reached out my hand and we shook hands. And just that moment, we connected. And uh, I went on to uh, finish the race. And he did too. And uh, so my fondest memory of all of these 57 marathons that I ran was beating the 1953 Boston Marathon winner. Mm. Congratulations on that. I did not know that story. I was so happy. I mean, of course, he was 75 years old at the time, but hey, you know, I mean, he should have uh, trained harder is the way I see it. Exactly. You know? so I beat him. Yeah. Exactly. But, uh, a great guy. I finished in 356.55, just to give you some idea. Now, I'm 49 years old, only been running for seven years. I'm at the top of my game. This 75 year old man, who was a wonderful person, finished in 409. So, I barely finished ahead of them. And uh, that's what you find out with these marathons is that these people that um, are driven and are the champions, uh, they have a willpower that far exceeds most of ours. And uh, my hat's off to him. He passed away in 2010 and he ran the marathon for the last time in 2009 at 81 years old. Mm. That's a great story. I, I did not know that. I had my own challenges in that marathon that year. That was yeah. my first Boston marathon. I qualified the year before in Chicago, and that's where I had my issue with my back and sciatica. And one of my only two DNFs ever in a marathon. And Out of 101. So, uh, well, 103. So you had two DNFs, you finished 101. But uh, now, was it your surgeon? That told you at that time that you would never run another marathon or that you shouldn't? No. No, my surgeon was really cool. Dr. Tushar Patel was his name. He was just awesome. And he said, this is going to be a minor surgery uh, called a microdisectomy. And when they did the MRI for that, um, what happened was, is it my back, the two lower discs, the L4, L5, somehow got crushed. And the shell fragments embedded into my sciatic nerve. So you had to go in there and scrape all that out and then pull all these, you know, fragments out of my sciatic nerve. But there was a period of time where I was in severe pain. There was one day where I was paralyzed. I got on the floor and I couldn't move. I just had my cell phone, which were the flip phones at the time. And I called my wife at the time and I said, I can't move. I'm, I'm down here. And it was like, I was on my knees, hands and knees. It's like a yoga doggy dog down position that I was in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she came 
from work and uh, I called the ambulance and they took me to the emergency room. I stayed in there overnight. They pumped all these drugs into me. I don't know, it was painkillers and all that. Didn't work. I was just still in severe pain. And I just remember in the morning, this, this more heavy set doctor came into the emergency room and said, you're a runner. You're never going to run again. Your running days are over. And I just remember hearing that in my head. And then uh, my wife bailed me out. She took me out. We didn't even discharge. Once we got to her car, I got in there in some weird position just to be comfortable because I was still in extreme pain. And she got me down to the Fairfax hospital because I was scheduled to have an epidural that mm. morning. And that relieved a lot of the, the pressure and pain, but it didn't last very long until I had the surgery. I remember recovering and I remember that you telling me you had a masseuse that was Russian. And she mm -hmm. said, well, you know, he may run again, but he'll probably never run a marathon again. And I'm thinking, what the hell? Where is all this love coming from, from these people? Well, yep. of course, you know, I ended up exceeding, you know, running 60 some marathons after that, I think. That's amazing. Yeah, an amazing story. And uh, that just shows you your willpower on this whole thing that you've done. And, uh, you know, that, I mean, marathoning, you, you respect everybody that runs faster than you because you can't believe it they can run that fast. And you respect everyone that's slower than you because you can't believe how long they can run. Right. Because, <laughs> so, I mean, when, when anyone finishes a marathon, for the most part, that's it. I mean, we couldn't have gone a second longer. We couldn't have gone a foot further. And uh, we're just happy to be done. Yeah, definitely. Always happy to be done. It's a, it's a great feeling. But you also going to these marathons with you was a marathon in itself because first of all, our travel schedule, but then you wanted to explore the area. So the day before <laughs> we would walk around and I'd be oh. like, oh, for crying out loud, can't we just go rest somewhere? But we yeah. were going and looking at things like in Little Rock, we went to the Clinton uh, library and... Uh, you know, when we were in uh, Birmingham, we would go down and look at all the civil rights time. And I mean, we, we saw a lot. One, you know, one memory was when we went to, um, where was it? It was in, uh, let me look here and see. I just remember this one. It would have been in, in Jackson, Mississippi. It was a Mississippi marathon. It was a few months after nine 11. It was in first January, right in, right in that period. And, um, uh, we go to the state Capitol building in Jackson, walk into it, doors open, nobody's around. And we're walking in this building and I'm thinking, you know, where's the security around this place? Right. And, and to, we went through that unlocked front door and we walked around the metal detectors because I mean, nobody was there. But in the daytime, you had to go through the metal detectors and we parked right in the speaker of the house's parking spot right out front. And we were walking around inside of the state capitol, all these pictures of former governors and uh, whoever all they were uh, on the walls. And we had the place to ourselves until we heard a door shut. And we looked over the railing from the second floor and down on the first floor was the security guard walking around, checking doors and making sure everything was cool. And here are these two people that uh, are running through the state capitol building on their own with no permission whatsoever. And I think we said to our, to each other, I said, well, you know what? It might be a good time that we better get out of here. Get the hell out of there as quick as possible. I'm surprised he didn't notice the car in the speaker's parking spot. Yeah. yeah it's a nuts. But anyway, it's, it's almost like uh, that. 
if you watch The Crown at all on Netflix and uh, that uh, guy that snuck into the Queen's bedroom uh, in 1981 or 82, something like that, and with all the security around and apparatus and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And uh, we it wasn't quite that uh, significant for what we did, but uh, certainly we weren't authorized to to be in that capital at that time, but it was a fun experience. What else is amazing is all the events that happened during the eight and a half years that we did these races. I remember I came out here, I was living in Virginia at the time and I came out here and we were going to drive down and did the Albuquerque, the New Mexico marathon. Mm -hmm. And that was on, uh, that was the weekend before 9-11 happened. I think it was the 9th of uh, September. All right. Yeah. And we did that. And I wanted to get back to uh, Virginia. And my flight was actually scheduled for September 11th. And I was able to get a flight out the day before on the 10th. And I got into Dallas probably about 7 8 o'clock that night. Hmm. And then, uh, you know, the next morning, I, I called you and I said, Hey, I hate to wake you up, TV, but yeah. uh, you, something, something really not good going on out there. Yeah, and that, and that all happened. And I would have been stuck in, stuck in Denver. Yeah. I'd have made you clean the house at some point. I would have cleaned the house weeks. or painted or, <laughs> you know, did whatever, but it was a week, just a week after nine days after nine 11, that was heading down to Miami to get married. I know, <laughs> you know, yeah. didn't think that was going to happen. And it yeah. did. And we were one of the first flights out at mm-hmm. Dallas to get down there. And the, the security was crazy at that time. And even going on to the cruise ship. And um, mm-hmm. it, it was, uh, that was one memory that, that I had. I think we were at one of the, one of the marathons when Robert Kennedy Jr.'s plane went down. I remember we were. That's it. it was, uh, it was, uh, yeah, John F. Kennedy Jr. Yeah. And uh, it was Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota. Uh, and uh, we were just coming back from that Okoboji Marathon that you mentioned earlier. Yeah, that event happened. Being a spectator at a marathon is not fun, but I went to Boston that year in 1999, I think you Mm -hmm. did it. And we got back from Boston, and that was when Columbine happened. That's right, yeah. Yeah, and and, uh, and living in Denver, both of us, uh, that hit real close to home. My kids were in the Littleton School District, and there were six high schools in Littleton School District. And uh, uh, so it uh, was just a horrible, horrible situation that uh, yeah, the community really, in many ways, uh, I'm not so sure we ever recovered from that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really think that the Denver community or Littleton has recovered from that. That was really the start of the mass school shootings. And, you know, of course, there's been so many more since. What were some of the other memories that you had? I, I mean, I have a couple here that I do want to still talk about, but um, sure. about yourself. Oh, a, lot of, a lot of good ones, Jim. Uh, you know, my wife um, was following us on the course with a bicycle in Burlington, Vermont. And, uh, um, and she, <laughs> at, at about mile eight or 10, uh, one of the race uh, people came up to her and said, you can't be on the course with a bicycle. I mean, come on, get up. They made her climb a six foot fence with the bicycle and go over to the road so that she could, uh, to a different road so that she could then get back to town. <laughs> so that was crazy. And, uh, but I, I think some of the stories that I remember are, are just meeting people during the race and mm-hmm. I'd talk to them and, and visit with them and, 
like you said, you know, people would have things on their back running for a loved one's lost or they would be uh, running for a cause, uh, raising money, which is always uh, wonderful to see and to hear. And and, uh, uh, the handicapped folks, the disabled folks, the uh, uh, people weighed, you know, maybe were carrying 100 more pounds than me. And they were passing me regularly on the runs and, and the marathons. And I just couldn't believe the willpower of the human spirit. I mean, that's what sticks with me and, and the friendliness of people and the uh, camaraderie that we all shared. And at the end of the day, when you're sitting around the uh, uh, finish line and you have your medals on and everybody's equal, you're all the same. It didn't matter if you finished in two hours and 10 minutes or if you finished in six hours. I mean, you all just respected each other and hugged each other and loved each other and talked about the, the day. And and uh, it, was, it was just a really quite the experience of a lifetime to do these uh, marathons with you. And, you know, we traveled more than a hundred thousand miles to do this. Yeah. And, and back then uh, we spent $35,000 to do it. And most of the marathons were 25 bucks, if that to get in. Right. uh, As far as an entry fee and uh, you know, the hotels were reasonable, the car rentals were reasonable and on and on and on. And we shared those. uh, I mean, that was what was really a, a cost saver for us. Yeah, I, I can't imagine uh, the folks uh, doing this today. And obviously, it's a horrible time to have to be off right now because you still have to stay trained up. Um, in our case, you know, we made the decision that, geez, you know, these 20 mile long runs are are crazy. Why would we do that? Why don't we just do 26 next month on a regular basis and we get a medal when we do our long runs? So, I mean, that was the best <laughs> to figure that out because we, we ended up doing about eight marathons a year. And we never had to do long runs except for the ones we did in the marathon. Every once in a while, we'd do a half marathon just to kind of feel like, okay, we haven't lost our endurance. But at the end of the day, we had to do a lot fewer long runs than what people are having to do right now. I agree with you on uh, on the human spirit. And that's why I jumped over to the other side. I went to put on races because I just love to see people challenge themselves and, and get into something new and watch their life change. You know, when I put on my Wednesday night run in Kihei, new people would show up and be kind of shy and timid. And then it it would just change their entire life. They would become part of us, new friendships, their health improved. I mean, look at uh, Michael, Nita's Nita's husband. He came into Runner's Edge and he really didn't know anybody. And, you know, of course, we all embraced him and his whole life changed. I mean, it did. He, uh, he had suffered a life's tragedy and uh, he'd become a widower and uh, he was just out exercising one day and saw all these runners coming by him. He goes, hey, well, what are you guys doing and who are you? And, and somebody mentioned uh, runner's, uh, runner's Edge of the Rockies. And uh, uh, so he joined that club and then that's how you and I met him. And, uh, and then ultimately you introduced Michael to my sister Anita and they uh, ended up getting married. And, and uh, it's a good uh, heartwarming story. It's a great heartwarming story. And it just, I always at the Maui Marathon after the, just the tremendous amount of work that was put into it over the year, the day of the event, I would be sure to be at the finish line. Mm -hmm. Um, And I wanted to be there because I wanted to see the, what all this work came out to be. And that's people crossing the finish line. Yeah. 
And, you know, you, you know, as well as I do, there's people that come across happy with their arms in the air and laughing. And there's others that fall apart and start crying when they cross the finish line, they see a loved one and a loved one comes up and hugs them and, Mm -hmm. and, or the kids, you know, they'll grab a, you know, one of their, their children, you know, before they cross the finish line and carry them across the finish line with them. Those are, those are so enriching moments of marathons that I, I just enjoy. And it's so nice to be able to provide a platform for people to be able to do that. Right. You know, the other thing that I really liked uh, was family that would show up at our marathons. Like when we did Pittsburgh or we did Huntington, uh, West Virginia, my brother Dave was there. Mm-hmm. Dave mm-hmm. was out on the course and I, he would, uh, I'd run by and I'd see Dave there and he'd be, cheering me on had his little camera video camera out and, and you know and and then when we were at pittsburgh we all kind of hung out we went up the top of mount washington that was good and then my brother um bud and my sister-in-law lorraine akiwa island when we did that one i enjoyed that and then especially your family because your family whether nita ran with us or at certain races your your sister would be there or your parents would be there and that was such a it was such a family type thing. And that was very enriching too. Yeah. You know, both families uh, supported each of us uh, in a big way. And, and in many ways, of course, your brother was a huge runner, uh, Bud. Uh, he had done uh, quite a few three fifteens or whatever. And uh, what was his record time? Uh, it was below three ten. I know that. Yeah, So he was a monster, but anyway, so they, they, I, I think the families, uh, they loved, seeing our friendship. They loved seeing our goals that we had uh, committed to. And they, they, uh, they lived vicariously through us. Uh, they couldn't wait for that phone call after the marathon and, Hey, you know, we finished, here's what we did. Here was our times. And of course they just congratulated us and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so it was, uh, yeah, it was real meaningful to be able to do that. And, and, uh, you know, we did all those marathons, uh, in, in, uh, in that eight year period. And, that's more than a thousand miles if you do, you know, 26.2 times 50. And we had about 15 miles of rain. I mean, if you can no. imagine that, we, we had marathons where they predicted downpour the next day. It's just, it's going to be ugly. It's the worst day of, uh, of, of the history of the weather in this community and blah, blah, blah. And it would be sunshine. Right. <laughs> so, right. A, I don't understand it, but it was a very fortuitous for, for us in our running. Uh, times. We were very, very lucky. And most of these races we did together, but there was some that we didn't. Terrible planning, I think, on the 50 states. I don't think we ever really sat down and planned the whole thing out. I think we just saw one and, okay, do that one, do that one, check that state off. And the the last marathon was a year break between, I think it was Kentucky and then when we went to uh, Rhode Island. And that was a frustrating year. I was losing my enthusiasm, my motivation. And that's when I found Runner's Edge of the Rockies and it kept me going. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't know how long of a gap it was for you, but I think it was almost about the same, wasn't it? I'm Probably. Not- yeah. Yeah. We, uh, you know, went, uh, that was the problem because we didn't plan out, well, okay, you know, let's get an eight year calendar out and let's, you know, make this thing work where we don't have any gaps or whatever. But you know, there were times we were doing marathons every four weeks. And then, uh, unfortunately, uh, we had to run a c- certain state. And so the only way we could do that, and some of these states only had like one marathon. 
it wasn't like it is today where you, you know, it's much more popular than, than when we were doing it. And so we had to take whatever marathon was in that state at what time it was available. And well, that's what we did. And uh, it uh, made it for a little bit of logistical complications. But uh, in the end, it all worked out because Rhode Island was our last one. And uh, the, we were right there by the, you know, whatever they call that whole area, uh, row of mansions or whatever. And uh, <laughs> to see how that part of the uh, humans live was just something totally different than how all of us live. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, that was a. Uh... That was a pretty amazing marathon. And we finished that on October 21st, 2006. It was at that time, the Breakers Marathon and in Middleton, right outside of Newport, Rhode Island. Um, but what a perfect finish going into that school, you know, mm-hmm. the track, because you did a, a loop on the inside and then you did a loop on the outside and then came across the finish line. And we had, you had a lot of your family there, like most of your family there. And, yeah, all of them, I think. And I had uh, my wife and mother-in-law there at the time that was able to experience that and still got tons of pictures of, you know, the mm-hmm. finish of that race. And uh, it just to be able to come across that finish line and have everybody there and and then to be right there sure. when you came in, because uh, I beat you on that one. I know, I remember oh, yeah. that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I got beat on a lot of them. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you bring that up and how fun that was to finish on that track, uh, the track was a baby blue track and uh, it accentuated, you know, uh, uh, all the runners coming in. And, and because it was a smaller marathon, pretty much each one of us, as we finished, had that whole finish area by ourselves. So, you know, we could um, kind of celebrate the moment. But we had so many marathons where you had these uh, really unique finish lines. Uh, obviously Boston has a, um, that, uh, right downtown, but you had, uh, the Marshall university, uh, right. we did the, that's Huntington, Virginia, you mentioned a minute ago. And that was the 35th anniversary of the plane crash that wiped out the football team. And, uh, as we got ready to go on campus, that was where the finish line was. Uh, they gave us carnations mm-hmm. so that we could bring, bring those carnations onto campus and lay them at the fountain as a memorial uh, for the uh, 35-year tragedy. Uh, and then as we entered the stadium of Marshall University, uh, they handed us a football. And we ran from the end line, uh, one end, and then the finish line for the entire marathon was the 100-yard line at the other end. And we got to score a touchdown. Uh, and so that was remarkable and a great experience. And we did uh, uh, the South Bend, Indiana Marathon, where uh, we finished uh, on the 50-yard line of Notre Dame Stadium. And, of course, Notre Dame Stadium has this uh, Jesus statue at one end. And he's signaling touchdown. They call him Touchdown Jesus. You know? and, uh, so, and, and then New Orleans was a fabulous marathon where we – uh, ran through uh, the historical areas and so forth and finished on the 50-yard line uh, inside the Superdome. Yep. Uh, and, and so, you know, just so many uh, experiences like that, that, uh, you know, you'd have to almost go through all 50 of them to say, oh, wow, that was a great experience there. That was a great experience there. And there were. Uh, the Eisenhower uh, Marathon in uh, uh, Abilene, Kansas, uh, was fantastic uh his granddaughter uh spoke at the uh pasta dinner and uh all the ladies in town 
did their favorite pasta dish. And that was our uh, night before pasta low dinner. And the whole community supported it. And I remember going uh, on to the uh, Eisenhower Museum and Library uh, the day before. And I, he's actually buried um, with his wife, Mamie, and uh, his uh, uh, daughter that had passed uh, at a, you know uh, early age, uh, infants. And I looked at the, I was the only guy in the chapel. And there's their crypts right there, all three of them. And I looked at uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower's uh, crypt, and there was the date that he had passed. And it was exactly 35 years from the date that he had passed. Mm. Um, and uh, so uh, another just experience. And uh, there's a statue of him out front of the museum that says, of all the things that he accomplished, the thing that he was most proud of was that he was a fellow soldier. And, and that's exactly how the runners in Maritime feel is that the thing that we are all most proud of, it doesn't matter if we qualified for Boston or if we ran Boston or if we did this or did that or did this, what the time was. The thing each of us is most proud of is that we are a fellow runner. And that's what struck me when I saw his statue and, and his quote on, on the statue. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Those are such enriching and rewarding experiences to to have as a memory in, in our lives. I, I have a lot and, and still have a lot from not only the time that we did our races, but from some of the other races too that stick in my mind. I, I still liked our trip up into uh, Anchorage, Alaska, when uh, we went up there and did the Mare's Midnight Sun. Great race, mooses. Yep. Terrible finish. It was raining and freezing. Raining cold. <laughs> And then, but then we did that trip and uh, took the buses over to Denali and stayed the night in that first cabin. And it rained all the way. And then it all rained all the way to the Denali, Denali cabins that, that were, I don't know, what was it, 90 miles or something that we were on the school and bus? 95 miles. And it's called Kantishna. And uh, when, when uh, President Carter expanded the park, he like, I don't know, double the size of uh, Denali National Park. And, uh, they allowed the private mining right holders to retain their private ownership of that small area called Kantishna. And uh, so we went all the way back in there, stayed at a lodge uh, for a couple of nights and uh, had to wear knitting over our heads and helmets because of the mosquitoes. Oh, they were bad. <laughs> oh, God almighty. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah, but just great experiences. Another one, Jim, was uh, Mount Rushmore. And uh we were there just at sunrise as we were standing there waiting to take off and the sun's coming up over the horizon and, and we're looking at Mount Rushmore uh, on, on to our right. And, and then they go, go. And uh, off we go running. And uh, right away we ran into a bunch of hunters with uh, guns. And I, I asked him, I said, Hey, you guys hunting deer? He goes, no, we're hunting mountain lions. And I go, <laughs> what the hell are we doing here? And so, and so the thing about that crazy race is that you run to Hill City and then you start running to Crazy Horse where the finish line is, um, the monument. And you are out there all by yourself mm -hmm. in these pine trees on this trail because there were so few runners. And all I could think about was those hunters with the guns hunting mountain lions. Mm -hmm. And I, I just kept thinking that at any moment, one of those suckers is going to jump on my back and want to ride to the finish line, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, that, that <laughs> yeah. was a, that was a, that was a great race. It was a tough race, especially the last part of that race was really tough because it was mostly uphill. 
you know, oh, okay. for the last uh, at least 10 miles. Jumping back real quick to Mare's Midnight Sun, I think we lucked out because it was raining a good chunk of the time that we were there. But when we came back on that chartered plane, we went through McKinley, Mount McKinley, but now it's a different name, I think. Den- Denali. Denali now. Yeah. But it was the clearest day you could ever have. That's and right. I still got the video from that, going through that. It, that what an amazing flight that was coming yeah. back. Well, it took us, uh, you know, uh, like 16 hours to get back to Cantisha. So the first day we stayed at some uh, cabin, like you said, right outside of the park. Second day, we had to take this uh, school bus. We were the only four passengers on it. All the way, uh, 95 miles. And I mean, this thing is going maybe 20 miles an hour, if that, 10 to 15. It would stop to let us see animals and all that. And we had a clear shot of the now. Because, uh, you know, most people go up there, you've got like a 40% chance of seeing that mountain. So you, you've gone all the way up there and, and you may not even see it because of the clouds and so forth. But we, it was crystal clear. And uh, so we had uh, had that. And then we decided we don't want to take that bus. <laughs> we don't want to take the bus then from the park entrance back to Anchorage and all that. That was crazy. So we decided, well, maybe we could fly out. Cantishna Air had one airplane. And it was a little Cessna with six seats. And we asked them how much it was. I think it was 120 bucks to get us to Anchorage. How long will it take? Will it take an hour and a half? <laughs> okay, where do we sign up? And uh, we were the only four passengers on it. And there's only one route you can take without oxygen. So you're right at about 10,000 feet. And uh, as it went past uh, Denali, uh, we could see the climbers going to the top. And and I remember that vividly and have pictures of the uh, the climbers and. Uh, you know, that, that's a whole nother category of people that do things that uh, are remarkable, but they were trying to climb the 20,000 foot peak that day and we could see them as we were flying by them. It was a little hairy at times in that plane because it, this was going straight towards the mountain. Finally, it would just turn left or turn right and we'd, yep. you know, go through whatever we went through. It was, uh, that was great. Did I ever give you the copy of the video? Of that did you no i i still i'm looking for it i i, I look for it in the mail every day but it's just not there, it's not so. there okay no. well i'll i'll work on that for you and and get you that because that's yeah, i'd good... love to see that because you know we we could look down at the glaciers yes and it was aqua blue water it was and it, it was just fabulous you were sitting in the front seat with the pilot and uh getting great shots and all this kind of stuff and uh it was a uh, well worth the money to, to take that plane right out of there well, yeah, it was definitely well worth it. And uh, I think it only took us an hour and a half to get back to Anchorage. Yeah. So it yeah. saved us a tremendous amount of time. Then we got the, it was a great day in Anchorage that day. And we got to walk around and see walk around, Eskimo yeah. stuff in stores. Yep. So I know that people are going to be thinking in the back of their head. So I'll ask these questions. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite marathon out of the 50 that we did? And what was your least favorite? Good question. Well, I had the uh, privilege of having a sister that wanted to join in on marathoning. So probably the funnest experience I had was we ran the 2001 Boston Marathon together the whole way and held hands over the finish line. So you you can't beat that as an experience and and along with a a zillion other good ones. But that was a great one. Uh, The worst marathon, gosh, some of the ones that uh, 
that you're just hurting so bad and uh, that they're so small that you have no crowd support and you're on your own and you're just willing yourself to the finish line. So I, I don't think that there was a, necessarily a, a worse one that I can remember. I did a few 452s <laughs> that uh, I wish I could uh, do over, but uh, Laramie, Wyoming was probably one of the toughest physical challenges. You started at uh, uh, 8,600 feet. There's a park east of Laramie. I don't even know what it is, but um, and then you run out in the countryside and uh, you go down to 8,000 and you have to come back to 8,600. So that is no doubt my toughest physical uh, challenge running a marathon. And so from that standpoint, that was the toughest, uh, but there weren't any worse ones. I mean, the, the people, the scenery, the experience, the uh, euphoria, uh, uh, all 57 that I did were just fabulous. Yeah. Well, I, I do have a favorite that anybody who ever asks me, I'd say it's St. George. I love that marathon. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I did it a couple of times and it, it was just as good the second time as it was the first time. But I just thought that was a beautiful race. Very well run. I love the downhill part of it. Um, I thought, you know, as the sun's coming up and the vistas out there with the hitting the red rocks and it just uh, it was just an amazing race and, yeah, and yeah, I for sure I would just recommend that to anybody yeah it's beautiful I'll tell you one one last one Jim that uh, that I have to mention is that uh, my parents were international missionaries and so we grew up in Germany and my two two of my three sisters went back to Germany and worked for Lufthansa their entire careers so they spent 30 years of there and uh, but anyway so um, after the 50 states concluded uh, I decided to do my last marathon in Berlin Germany and it was a uh, 2011 and at that, that that race day the uh world record was set uh i was nowhere near it but uh my my parents we would go to east germany and and west berlin a lot during the years we lived there and the border guard just scared the living daylights out of us kids i mean they'd pull us out of the car they'd take out the back seat they'd shove a rod into the gas tank and all this kind of stuff and so we were petrified as kids well the marathon ran uh, throughout East Berlin and West Berlin, went through Checkpoint Charlie and went and it finished at the Brandenburger Tour where Ronald Reagan said, uh, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall, which ultimately happened in 1989, November. But uh, so in 2011, I ran directly through the Brandenburger Tour into what formerly was East Berlin. And that's where the marathon finished. And I left my shoes right there. Mm. And that's, that's when I said, that's it. I can accomplish nothing else that would be more gratifying, and more satisfying to me. And Nita and Michael ran that with me. And, uh, and that's, that's where I left my marathoning career. That's a great way to finish. I, and I remember you talking about that. And I, you only did two after the 50 states, right? Yep. Did you, yeah. Yeah. We, Tucson. I, I finished with 55 when the 50 states were done. And then I did Tucson with you. Yeah. And then I said, ah, you know what? This is just too much work coming dash. Almighty, the tennis shoes are getting to be too expensive. And uh, so, uh, and then I got motivated to do one more. Yeah. The uh, worst one for me that I thought was uh, Delaware because it was a quadruple loop. Do you remember oh, that? They yeah. just, they it threw that thing so together. It, it and, and I just remember, you know, we, you and I used to do the pasta dinners and all that all the time. And, and we'd have some home runs, some really good ones. And, but Delaware was terrible. We waited in that long line. I believe this was Delaware. And they had this gourmet type pasta dinner. And when we got there, 
they gave us a plate with these couple little small pasta things on there. And we said, are you kidding me? And I think we, we even, uh, we even wanted our money back and we ended up going to a restaurant and having, you know, some pasta. Uh, but that one was just miserable. It was four loops and it just was, I didn't. Well, and the crazy thing about those four loops is that you came up to mile three. Well, mile three also was mile nine mile 15 and mile 21 or whatever, right. you know? And so you had to see all four signs right. at the same mileage marker. Right. Oh, yeah. No, that, that one, that one wasn't, that one wasn't good, but we did end up uh, a lot of times when we had downtimes, we, you and I used to like to watch those uh, serial killer shows that they <laughs> yeah, had so on TV. It's, <laughs> that was, it was great to sit there and watch, watch uh, oh, serial killers. Yeah. So we ended up finishing the 50 states plus DC on October 21st, 2006. We're both certified finishers. And what certified means is that you have to prove that you ran a sanctioned marathon and provide that to the 50 state club. And then you're considered a certified finisher. And there are some in there that aren't certified. So they've done them, but they're, they weren't uh, sanctioned races like we did. So I was number 277th and you were 278th as far as finishers. As of today, there are now 1,619 finishers of the 50 states. Not all of them are certified, but that's how many have finished. And so I think that was, uh, that was just remarkable. And that was such a long time ago. It was 14 years ago that we finished, over 14 years ago. And then we commemorated our, our journey and had a really nice party at the former Jones building. Yeah, and, it was nice. Uh, yeah, we had a nice. lot of people there. We had, I don't know how many did we have? Oh, a hundred at least probably. Yeah, we did. Uh, we had a hundred and uh, put together the 50 state marathon video and took yeah. everybody into the media room and it was like a, you know, like a movie theater. They had seats and all that and got to watch yeah. that. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, I still have that. And, uh, that was just, it's quite an experience to go through those years with you and, uh, do all the things that we did and all the memories and just solidified just an amazing friendship that you and I have. Yeah. You know, uh, we, we did that in an eight year period, but, uh, we had trained up and, and run over a 10 year period altogether. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we stayed friends. We, uh, supported one another through uh i think we ran about 45 maybe 47 of them together and so mm-hmm. that's a lot it is a and, lot uh, every time that we uh, needed one we'd say to the other one hey you know here's where we can go do it and, and there was never any hesitation it was that ah, okay let's go do it yeah yeah and, uh, and just uh everything that's happened through our lives you know where we're at today we're still alive that's a good thing Blessing for sure. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've, we've had a lot of good fortunes happen to us. And as every human being, we've had some misfortunes happen to us that we've dealt with and move, uh, move forward. Um, some of them you don't move on from, but you just simply have to move forward and uh, keep living and so forth. And uh, we cer- certainly saw a lot of people that uh, struggled with a lot more situations than we've had to in our lifetime, although we've had our adversity times. You lost your parents at a very long, young age, and, and my dad passed at almost ninety-four. And my mom's still alive; uh, going to be ninety-four. So, you know, we dealt with different adversities, and 
and work through those uh, in positive ways. We've both been divorced. Uh, that's you wouldn't wish that on anybody. Uh, and so uh, here we are living the dream and uh, I'm collecting social security and, uh, and you're still a productive citizen. <laughs> I'm still a productive citizen. Someday I'll uh, activate my social security, probably not till after 66 and a half. That's probably my target when I'll do that. But yeah. And you're, you're, you've done a lot of traveling with Denise and have really lived a good life, you know, and seen a lot of stuff with her. And this was after our marathons. And just to loop back, way back when you said that uh, you used to beat me and then I became faster. The only reason that I became faster is because you met Denise. And once you met Denise, your priorities changed and you weren't as focused on running. You still wanted to get the challenge done of the 50 states, but your focus was a lot different and I was still fired up and ready to just be, you know, this, this fast runner and still be able to, you know, do three thirties, three forties, three fifties. So that yeah. if you would, if you would never would have met Denise and you would have just been cruising along like you have, there's no way I would ever beat you. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but uh, it was a good ride. And uh, when I met Denise, I had 17 marathons to go. And so she supported us with, uh, and all of those and went to a lot of them, probably 10 of them anyway. And so uh, I, she took some good pictures of us and uh, we have those and the memories and the experiences. So, yeah, it's a, I would recommend um, anybody that has this uh, desire uh, to run marathons and to maybe uh, do a, a challenge of 50 states or whatever to, uh, to enjoy the ride because you'll have more experiences than you ever thought you could have. And you'll have some that you could never have imagined even existed. And and you'll get that satisfaction, gratification. And my only advice would be is to save your money so that you can do it. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, oh gosh, it, uh, but it's fun because you, you can turn them into mini vacations. And that's what we did. And, and you know, uh, quite a number of these 50 state finishers and have interviewed uh uh, quite a few. So uh, they'll all tell you the same story that uh, it was worth it at the end and uh, the experiences and the people they met and the uh, the times that they had is just worth every cent and more. It is. And doing this podcast, I'm meeting more and more people that have done different types of challenges. Now, maybe not all 50 states. I just interviewed Julie Weiss, the marathon goddess and you know, she started off and found running that actually helped her relationship with her father. That was mm -hmm. not great. And they became close. And after she was trying to qualify for Boston, one, one race, uh, she got news from her mother, a phone call that her father had pancreatic cancer and he passed away 35 days later. And now her life is dedicated to mm -hmm. raising funds to try to find the cure for pancreatic cancer. And it's just stories like that, one after another, after another, that are just amazing. And it's all due to running. And running is, like yeah. you mentioned, just put one foot in front of the other. But the stories behind those are just uh, amazing what yeah. they do for, for, for people in their lives. You know, it's it sucks in a way that uh, I, get, I moved back from Maui and this pandemic hits. And we've only seen each other in person once. And because of the people that were around, we're trying to self-isolate as much as possible. So I was hoping that we would be able to connect up more. And I'm sure we will at some point, but. We will. It's an um, unfortunate time period right now that the world's going through. And when you think about the uh, 
the pandemic and, and what has happened to folks, it has just shut everybody down. And let alone at this point, there's 300,000 lives that have been lost. And I mean, that's just the United States is going to suffer 400,000 more lives lost this year than last year. Yeah. And so it's real. And unfortunately, we're uh, in the age bracket now to where that by itself creates a, a safety zone that's required. And and uh, we hate it. Everybody hates it because you only have so many more years to go. Best case, let alone um, if you were to catch this virus, uh, what it potentially could do to you. So um, we're all anxious to get back to our lives and get back out there and enjoy people and experiences and and uh, to live out our days in a happy way. Yeah, it's it it wears on me. I'll tell you that it's. Uh... Coming back, I was so entrenched in in, at, in Maui, and even if I was living there, you still have to self isolate. But mm-hmm. coming back to Denver has been nice. You know, I've reconnected and reengaged with my running friends, but you know, it's far and few between as far as the big groups anymore. Can't right. run those, and and you know, that's been my life. It still is my life running, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're right. You start thinking about how many years you have left. And now a lot of stuff has been taken away from us. Just the, you know, the comfort of going to a restaurant, sitting down and having a meal. Can't do it. Uh, Especially now, just those little things that we took for granted are not available to us right now. Right. And it's hard. hard. It is. Traveling. I mean, you're going potentially to Mexico here in January and not Mm -hmm. sure if you're going to do that yet or not. Nope. I've been on an airplane since March 2nd. Feel safe traveling. I, I will tell you that I feel very safe on a plane. They do a mm-hmm. great job right now. Airports can be a little bit packed, but they, mm-hmm. they sanitize, sanitize really good. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they have uh, the sanitizer everywhere good to hear for you. your hands and all that. And people are really good at wearing masks. You don't see too many people, maybe in a waiting area if they're eating something. But other than that, they're mm-hmm. doing good. So, mm-hmm. well, anyways... This has been great. I've been wanting to do this for a long time and just kind of reminisce and go through our journey together that we did. And uh, I'm so glad that you came on and shared some of your stories and uh, and just, uh, you know, reminisced about stuff. I, I look at this sheet still and I just realize all these yellow, you know, these lines, these are a marathon and a memory. Yeah, exactly. And it's and just a travel destination. And, uh, well, I mean, I congratulate you on the job you're doing here. The Feel Good Running is a wonderful, uh, you know, uh, entrepreneurship. And you've thought it up. And uh, people are really enjoying these inspiring stories that you're putting out. And, I mean, my story is nothing compared to uh, what I've heard. Uh, you've got uh, even more so coming up. So uh, keep doing the good work. Uh, people need this, especially now. Uh, and uh, I congratulate you on your success today. No, thank you. Appreciate it. It's uh, it's fun. I enjoy doing it. So yeah, well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much, Jim. Have a good day, bud. Okay, you too. Bye-bye. Well, there you go. My friend David Zonker and myself, I hope you enjoyed our conversation as we reminisced our 50 States Marathon journey. Ah, so many memories. And uh, actually, uh, right now, I'm looking at my award, my 50 States Marathon Club Finisher Award. It says, Jim Lynch completed a marathon in each of the 50 states. And it lists Breakers Marathon, Middletown, Rhode Island, 
October 21st, 2006. And then in bigger letters, certified. So, you know, I'm so proud of this award and so proud to have run all those 50 states and reach that goal with my friend David. Uh, and remember, in, in the show notes, I have posted my all my 101 marathons, the name of the marathon, city, state, date, and my finish time. If you want to take a look at it, it's right there. I so appreciated David coming on, so I hope you enjoyed that. And now it's time for our inspirational quote of the episode, and I found a good one. It's from Henry David Thoreau, and it goes like this. What you get by achieving your goals is not as important as what you become by achieving your goals. Let me read that to you again. What you get by achieving your goals is not as important as what you become by achieving your goals. So David and I achieved a major goal by running a marathon in all 50 states, taking us eight and a half years. But the takeaway was that we became better people. We became better men. A lot in both of our lives changed in those years as we were working towards our goal. And that has really changed my life. And it changed it for the better. I believe not only becoming a better person, but it also gave me enthusiasm to strive and achieve in other areas of my life and believing that nothing is impossible and that anything is possible. And outside of that, I continued running after the 50 states and I continue to run to this day. And it keeps me healthy. It keeps me in shape. Keeps me feeling good. It gives me a positive attitude. And so those eight and a half years are really important and have been important as I continue my life. And I'm sure they were for David too. So yeah, what you get by achieving your goals is not as important as what you become by achieving your goals. Wonderful quote. All right, runners, that's about it for this episode. As I always say, please, I would so much appreciate it if you would share this podcast and this episode with your running friends and on your social media platforms. It helps the show to grow. We're well over two years, two years and two months now that I've been doing this podcast. And you keep listening and I keep trying to put out quality content for you. So thank you. I appreciate your support. All right, runners, get out there, achieve your running goals, be well, be safe, and uh, just appreciate the fact that you can be out there and run. All right, keep running. And I probably didn't say it, and we're already through one month, but Happy New Year. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please consider sharing this podcast with your running friends and on your social media platforms. To access the show notes that included all the resources and links for this episode and to access past episodes, go to feelgoodrunning.com. Until next time, keep motivated, keep focused, and keep on running. It is sure to make you, well, feel good. <laughs>